Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Awesome. Well, it's so good to be up here today or out here. We're not really up anymore. Um, and to just be with you guys, and it's a privilege to get to share what the Holy Spirit has put on my heart today. Um, as I was preparing for this, I kept asking him, what is it that you want today? What do you want us to learn from you today? What do you want to share with us? And the word that kept coming to mind was generosity, and I couldn't get away from it. And so that's where I'm going today, is we're going to learn about God's kingdom, generosity, and how we have access to that. So I'm excited, excited for what he has. But let's just begin by, well, I'm going to say he's already here, obviously, because during worship, I was like, I turned to my husband, I was like, "Uh, I don't even think I need to preach. I can just, we can all lay down in this glory and just receive. But he's in this as well. So let's just give this time to him. Father, we just hand all all of everything, our time, as we prayed, our finances, our resources, our very lives to you right now. And God, we just breathe you in. Just take a deep breath of his love, of his goodness, his grace, his majesty. We thank you, Father, that you are with us right now, right here, in this period of time, in this time in history, you are with us, and you have good things for us. And so we just give you this time, this teaching today, and we thank you, God, that we get to learn from you. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Wonderful. Well, we're going to start in the book of Second Kings. Chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me. Otherwise, it's up there as well. Or it will be, yes. Um, And there's two stories we're going to read in this chapter. And it begins with a widow. So in verse 1, chapter 4, it says, One of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, has died. You know that your servant feared the Lord. Now the creditor is coming to take my two children as his slaves. Elisha asked her, what can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go out and borrow empty containers from all your neighbors. Do not just get a few. Then go in. Shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all these containers. Set the full ones to one side. So she left. After she had shut the door behind her and their sons, they kept bringing her containers and she kept pouring. When they were full, she said to her son, bring me another container. But he replied, there aren't any more. Then the oil stopped. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons can live on the rest. One day, Elisha went to Shunem. A prominent woman who lived there persuaded him to eat some food. So whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. Then she said to her husband, I know that the one who often passes by here is a holy man of God. 
So let's make a small walled-in upper room and put a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp there for him. Whenever he comes, he can stay there. One day he came there and stopped at the upstairs room to lie down. He ordered his attendant, Gehazi, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her, and she stood before him. Then he said to Gehazi, say to her, look, you've gone to all this trouble for us. What can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I am living among my own people. So he asked, then what should be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Call her, Elisha said. So Gehazi called her and she stood in the doorway. Elisha said, at this time next year, you will have a son in your arms. Then she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your servant. The woman conceived and gave birth to a son at the same time the following year as Elisha had promised her. We're going to stop there. So when reading these passages, I noticed that these two women were very different, right? They were different in the first one. She was a widow, a poor widow who just lost her husband and was you know, with her two sons, and they were going to be taken away. And, and the second woman that we read about was a prominent woman in society, probably had wealth. But they both had something in common. They both understood something, and it was important. It was their lack. And they were desperate. And I know it sounds a bit counterintuitive to start a message on generosity by pointing out lack in scripture. But the Holy Spirit was showing me something in this as I was studying. And we're going we're gonna to return to it, so I just wanted to point it out right at the start. When we talk about generosity, I want to just remind us that we belong to the most generous kingdom that has ever existed. Right? The kingdom of heaven. We belong to a kingdom that is so full of abundance that we can never get enough. It'll just keep going. So what does God's definition of generosity look like for us? We're going to talk about this. We know it's quite extravagant, right? Like the women in this scripture, the two women, they weren't just given a means for their current situation, Right? They weren't just given, well, here's some food for the widow or some money. She was actually given more than that. She was given something that would last. She was given a means to business that she could sell the oil and then take care of her debt and her family could live off of that the rest of their lives. The Shunammite woman isn't just given a son or a baby. It points, it, the scripture points out that her husband was quite old. So this is really important because this baby would then be an heir that would take care of her when her husband passed away, right? So God was already thinking well beyond their circumstances. He was thinking more generously than they were probably even thinking. She was given a legacy. This is a kind of extravagant generosity that's in God's very nature since the beginning. We see it in Genesis 1 and 2. We see a God who creates this, this setting for us, this paradise. 
He creates a, a garden, this beauty and this provision, this garden that will provide for us. And then he takes out of his own creation the dust from the earth, and he breathes life into it from his lungs, his lungs. And as I was thinking about this, I found it really incredible that God didn't create us first and then form the world around us, form the garden around us. Like he didn't just, even though we were the most important, the pinnacle of creation of what he was going to create, he didn't decide to put us first. He could have done that. But I think it's in the generous nature of a loving father that he first prepared. He, he took time. He took days to prepare this place of beauty and provision and then made us. And if you think about it as new parents, when you have a baby, you don't have the baby and then you rush around trying to get everything you need for the baby. Like, unless it's some, like, crazy surprise. You're like, oh, oops, a baby. <laughs> it's usually not the case, right? We prepare. We have nine months, and we're so excited to prepare a place for this, this, this incredibly important creature, human, that we're bringing into the world. And so we, we get everything we need. We prepare the room. We prepare our lives. We get a bed. We, get, we de- decorate. We paint, maybe. We have whole parties, showers with our friends in our community, and everybody gives to create space for this baby, for this precious one. This was the hospitality of a loving Heavenly Father towards his children. He creates us, brings us out of the earth, and he places us in paradise this generous God, and then he walks with us and talks with us in the garden, in the place of paradise. He spends time with us. And he gives us choice. I mean, what a generous gift. Think about choice. I know it's not something that we often think about, but we have choices. God gave us choice in the garden. And then when we make a poor choice, a choice that, that hurt, breaks his heart and hurts us. He doesn't shame us. He doesn't punish us in the way that we see punishment. No, he protects us. He covers us. He draws us out of hiding. And then he sends us away to a safer place so we can't do further harm to ourselves, Right? Time and time again, God is protecting us from ourselves and the choices that we make that aren't in line with his best for us. We see it when Noah is given the ark. We see it when he rescues the Israelites from Pharaoh. We see it all the way up to Jesus, the God of the universe, taking on death for us. And it has not stopped since. The extravagant love and generosity of our God has not stopped since. He just keeps pouring and pouring himself out for us. And it works through what little we have. Going back to the lack. God's generosity works through our lack. But I think we get stuck in the lack often. I know I do. 
We get focused on the lack. We get focused on the things that we don't have when all along God is showing up in in it. And he's using it to invite us into a deeper dependence on a kingdom that has no lack. None. None at all. He takes what little we have and he multiplies it. And we see that all throughout scripture over and over the pattern of multiplication. If you've ever been out with us, a lot of you guys here know that we at Catch the Fire have a ministry to the streets, to the city, to the poor, to the um, just people who have food insecurities and things like that. And, And we go out every single week. And we serve, and we love, and we care, and we bring the good news and the message, and we disciple. But if you've ever been out with us or involved with maybe the pickups um, or just pray with us, all of it, not just praying with us is very important, Um, pray with us, you've seen it. You've seen God multiply lack before our very eyes. You've seen grocery bags appear in our cars that weren't there when there's two more families that need food. That has happened multiple occasions. Turkeys, hams showing up when we're out and we're like, oh, how many more? Oh, there's zero. Oh, how many more? Oh, there's two. What? How are there two when there were zero? This happens all the time. Um, one of my favorite stories was during our the pandemic when the quarantine first started. My husband, Justin, he went over to Sprouts grocery store. At the time, we were only really, we were not at the same place that we are now. The operation was much smaller. And Sprouts and um, Alexander Produce Company were the two places giving to us at the time. And everybody was out of food on their shelves. I mean, not all the food, but a lot. You guys remember, it was people, production was down. People were panicking. No one knew what to do. People weren't leaving their houses. And so Justin goes in to Sprouts, meets with the manager, and the manager says to him, I don't know. I don't think we have anything for you today. And Justin says to him, which I love this part, he says, even if you have one loaf, that will feed somebody right? That's a, that's a step of faith. That will feed somebody. I'll take it. And so the manager leads him to the back of the store where we, we have it in the back and we get our food pickups. And to that day, it was the largest pickup of food we had ever received at the time. In a time when there was lack, God gave us plenty. And it has not stopped since. Where we are today in the operations that we have now as a church going out to our city is like levels beyond where we were then. It just kept increasing. And it kind of became this like, this funny like thing for us. Like we were like, oh, we're not going to get enough next. Well, we knew who God is. Like we laugh about it. We almost laugh about it now because we're like, oh, it doesn't look like there's going to be much. Now we know there's going to be way more than we ever could imagine next week. So, um, In Romans 8, if you'll turn with me, verse 31, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I love that last part, graciously. It's his joy to give us all things. Everything he's done is for the good of his children and his kingdom. We are his children. 
We've been grafted into this generous kingdom. And God is able to be fully generous because he knows who he is. He is secure, right? He's a secure God. He doesn't worry about what he's going to do or where it's going to come from. He knows who he is. He also knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows our lack, what we perceive to be lack. He knows our needs. And his desire is to take care of us. You see, kingdom generosity isn't just circumstantial. And what I mean by that is it doesn't depend or rely upon our current circumstances. It doesn't rely or depend on a particular outcome. Well, if I get this, then I'll give that. If I don't get this, then I won't give that. Or, oh, there's not enough, so God can't do this. Right? No, that's, that's like... It's a, karma that's thinking like the world. We don't think like that. We don't have to because we live in the abundance. And we can't rely on our circumstances as a measuring stick for generosity. God doesn't rely on it as a measuring stick for generosity. He doesn't go, oh gosh, yeah, you really only have that. Sorry. Go on, go on your way. Love you, but... No, he doesn't look at our circumstances and give up. If he did, the widow in this story, she wouldn't have been able to provide for her family because all she have is the one thing of oil that she began with, right? The 5,000 wouldn't be fed. The Israelites would still be enslaved to Pharaoh. We here at Catch the Fire would still be operating our ministry out into the streets in the city with a couple water bottles, a few sandwiches once a month, right? Instead of feeding 700 to 900 individuals a week, which is what we're doing as a family here. And none of us would be living a resurrection life because there would be no resurrection if God looked at our circumstances and just gave up, right? When we live in true kingdom generosity, we abide in the one whose very nature is generous. And we experience this overflow of mercy and grace, the abundance of a love that provides. Kingdom generosity doesn't depend on the outcome, but we rely by leaning into the income of heaven. And heaven already knows the outcome. And it's a good one, right? We read that it's a good one. We know that it's a good one. We see it every time he shows up. And our promise is that it's a good one, a really good one. It was a good plan from the beginning, right? We stepped out of alignment. We stepped out of the good plan, right? But it's a good one still because he keeps coming back and giving us more and more and more. So how do we access this generosity? Well, God is always generous, so his kingdom is always giving. It's always giving back to us. It's always giving to us, not back to us, just giving to us. But we have to step into that flow. And as I was preparing, I kept thinking of Jess preaching like 
several weeks ago about the river that flows from the throne, that real river, that tangible river, that, that river exists, guys. You can have access to that river any moment. And I kept thinking how generosity is one of the principles of heaven that is in that river, right? But we can't experience it unless we choose to step into it and get saturated by it. We don't understand it if we just stand at the sideline at the edge of the river and watch it go by. It will just pass us by. We have to step in. We have to dive in. We have to cannonball in. Whatever it looks like, we have to go into it. There's this element of obedience that comes with receiving generosity. We look at the widow in 2 Kings chapter 4. And I love that it was out of obedience, despite her circumstances, it was out of faith that she gathered the containers and she received the containers. And in doing so, she received the oil that provided for her family. And there was only as much oil as there were containers to receive. And then you look at the Shunammite woman who's prominent, who has wealth, and you think, oh, well, she doesn't need anything. But she made space. She made a room. She wasn't even asking for anything. She made a room to receive out of her own hospitality to honor this man. And in doing so, she received a generous blessing of something that money could not buy her, right? An heir, a son. It's a God, the God whose love is poured out over and over and over and over, and I can just keep going over and over again for us, more than we can ask or imagine beyond our wildest dreams until every space is filled and then it still does not stop, right? Because it's there. It's in creation. But we have to open up the space to receive it for ourselves, to understand it, to, to let it in. There is a desperation, and I love the desperation in both women's lives, the widow and the Shunammite woman. They both were in, in a state of desperation. And the widow was even told to ask her neighbors for help. And I think this is really interesting because we have to remember that receiving is often remembering that we're not alone. God created it that way because he wanted it that way. Sometimes, guys, it's just we just got to ask for the help we need. I can't know Aaron's need unless he asks me. I can't know Sarah's need unless she asks me. She can't know mine. And so asking the neighbors for the containers, I have a need, and here's what I'm told to do. Will you be a part of the narrative? We're invited to rely on one another. Separately, we have some. Collectively, we have more in God's kingdom. That's why we're here together today. We have more when we come together. There's something about coming together. I mean, think about that, the way the Holy Spirit was just crashing in on us. We just kept going, kept singing to him because it was, it was, it was God. It was his presence. We were together with him. If you turn to Luke 9, we're going to read 51 through 56. It says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him. 
because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? (laughs) But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. You see, I know it's really, hey, do you want us to call down fire? Burn them all up? Um, I love that Jesus was ready to go to them. He was ready to go into that village, but they weren't ready to receive him, right? And they weren't punished for it. In fact, he rebuked his disciples. They weren't punished. No, the real loss was that they missed out. They missed out on the generous blessing of Jesus being with them and visiting them. And it's the message of salvation. He literally gave it all for us. He came and visited us. And all we have to do is say yes and receive. But when we receive this new life from Jesus, did we recognize, did we realize what it was that we were opening ourselves up to? Did we recognize that Jesus was giving us all of heaven? He was giving us so much more, so much more than just our current circumstances could measure. Do we realize it now, the abundance? Do we realize that we're not operating out of lack? Or do we only have eyes to see the lack before us? And so we've actually never realized what we have access to. If you look at Hebrews 12 with me, in verse 18, I'm going to skip around a little here, but in verse 18 it says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to heavenly Jerusalem, You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Guys, yeah, clap for that. Clap for Jesus. That is what we are receiving. That is what we received when we received Jesus. I just, I was, I was laughing at first service. I was talking because I don't understand music, but it feels like when a song, (laughs) there's a word for it, culminates to this, it builds up to the crescendo. I said, I did say it. Okay, I got right. I wasn't sure if I was right a little. Anyway, this crescendo in the scripture 
building up to what we are receiving. And I feel like our lives in Jesus, our whole lives are building up. We're understanding more and more. The more we learn to trust him, the more we begin to receive an open space for him, the more we receive from heaven, the more we understand and have eyes to see. And we'll never fully understand it here on earth. It's beyond our wildest dreams and imagination. But we hear about it. We hear about it in scripture. He gives us a glimpse of it right? But I want more. How about you guys? I want more. I want more of what he has. I was just, we went to see the movie Jesus Revolution last night with our kids, Justin and I. And I'm telling you guys, Justin and I, we didn't stop crying that whole movie. Like what God can do and what he has done in the earth, what he had, the, 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 the revolution of who Jesus is and what he can do and what he did in the 70s, I mean, I wasn't there for it, but it affected my life because we were in the vineyard movement that came out of it before we came here, right? But God is so good. All we could say was, do it again. Do it again, Jesus. Do it again, but do it different. Do it different. Do it in our generation, in this time, right now. Do it again. You are so generous. And he is. We're hearing things breaking out at colleges all over the country We should be so excited. We shouldn't look at those things and go, why not us? Right? We should look at that and go, yes, bless my brother and sister. Now bless them and I want some and I want to go get some and I want it here. Do it again, Lord. He's so generous. Both of these women made the space to receive and to both the blessing came beyond what they imagined. Generosity has to be received for it to overflow. Is there space in your heart to receive it? Is there space in your life to receive it? God's generosity is all around us, and we see it in everything, but we have to choose to step in. We have to choose to make space. And the more we appreciate it, the more it deepens in our hearts. The more we stop looking at our circumstances and our lack, the more it deepens and the bigger it gets until we can't contain it. It's that mustard seed of faith, right? It's that upside down, backwards, inside out kingdom. It's so good. And it's so much. And we feast and share because the table is big enough. There's always enough. What do I have in my hands? Am I making space? The more I open my heart, the more room and the more is poured in. I love it when we're out in the neighborhoods, when we're out in East Durham area each week. We see this. Um, some, some folks that we go to, they, they have this much capacity to give us, and that's okay. And others have this much. And others have this much. But we don't force our way into what they don't give us. Right? We give graciously and generously to what they do give us. And that's how God is. He will fill every room and container that we give him. And as we learn to trust him more, as many people out there learn to trust us more, right? We give him more. But it's this, it's this intimacy, this relationship, this trust. And we see this happening when we're out in the neighborhoods. 
and he's so extravagantly generous. But guys, he will not throw his treasures at a locked door. He won't, right? It's up to us to unlock our door, open our door, open it more, open it more until we just kick the whole door down, right? He won't do it for us. But once that's open, he'll come in and he'll take hold. He'll knock if the door is closed. And then you get to decide how far you'll open it. If we go to Revelations 3, verse 20, Jesus says, I see, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. He is faithful to fill what we are willing to give him. His door is always open. Is ours? Good question. How far is it open? So in the receiving, what does it look like to live out of the generosity, to live in it, to live out of it? What do we do with it? Well, we give away more than we lack. We give away, we look at our lack, and we give away more. You see that with the, the widow with the might, right? She gave everything, and it was blessed in heaven. Like the food we give out in the city, we, we give it all away. We meet the needs that come to us. Otherwise, it kind of just becomes stale, and we found this principle at work as well. Like if, if we get a... a you know, we get every week pretty much this massive load of produce from Alexander Produce Company. If we were to just hang on to it, because we're like, well, what if next week there's not enough? What if we don't have enough? But we've got families in need, or, or maybe like we have more than enough that week, then we'll give those families double and triple. But we always give it away, or it becomes almost rancid. It's a kingdom principle. Be faithful. Steward what we have, no matter how big, no matter how small. We were given a promise many years ago about a space we were going to receive, land and, and buildings. And, and we didn't just sit there and go, well, then we're not going to operate or do anything until we get that space and that land. No, we took what we had and we stored it well. And we started in a small space and then God gave us a bigger space and then gave us a bigger space because we just kept outgrowing it because we were faithful. We said, here it is, God. We're going to use it. And he kept giving us more and more. And guys, we have now this beautiful piece of land, the Catch the Fire Community Center, which you're all going to be invited to an open house in the spring to come see because it's our building together here, right? And, and so now we sit there. It's six, almost six acres and 5,500 square feet. And he's already filling it. But we keep asking him. We pray, God, what do you want to do? We want to steward this well for your kingdom. We want to give this to your city, to your people out there who don't know you. We want to give it away. How can we as a church serve our community, serve our city? That's why it's called the community center. We want to say, hey, city, here, we the church have something for you. Come and use it. Let us serve you. Let us love you. It's like the widow with the oil. Elisha asked her what he could do for her, but then he asked her, well, what do you have in your house? That was the very next question. And she, oh, all I have is this. Okay, great. Then we're going to use that. God's going to use it. So what do we have that God wants to add to 
And are we being faithful with it? Often I think giving and receiving can look like the same thing. It's almost like our lives are so caught up in the abundance when we're caught up in his abundance that we live in the flow of the overflow. In Luke chapter 6, 38, it says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. I love that because you're not doing anything. You're sitting. It's poured into your lap. You're receiving. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So as I give, it will be given to me. And I just, I want to, I want to speak into this concept of boundaries. I think we as a church have maybe um, taken that to an unhealthy level over the past few decades. We have all these books on it, self-help, self-empowerment, self-like boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. And I'm not saying boundaries are bad, so please don't hear me. I think there are godly ways to have boundaries. So your yes be yes, your no be no. But I think what we, we almost did was like we, we overcorrected something because we, we didn't know our yeses and our nos in Jesus. We didn't listen to him. And so we just, in this, we're in a culture that moves, moves, moves. We go, go, go. And the church is very much like that as well. And so maybe some of us here got used or taken advantage of. And it was almost like, um, like the pendulum swing, right? And we started preaching this thing on boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. But what happened was it almost like put a wall up. And I don't think that is God's heart for us, right? Boundaries, can they can be our yes is yes and our no is no. We can stand in those or they can be this wall, this, this self-protection. And, and I think like self-protection comes from this overcorrection or overcorrection comes from self-protection. Um, and so I think even in our ministry time today, God really wants to, in places we've been hurt and we've set those walls up, tear those walls down and bring healing. Um, in second Corinthians nine, verse six, it says, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always, having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. A lot of everys. As it is written, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Our lives are meant to be laid down, completely laid down, right? Ready to give out of the overflow of heaven. And it, some of it, it, t- it takes time and it takes healing. I'm a huge proponent of tithing, tithing financially to the church together, tithing of our time, both, not just one or the other. And here's why. I think that it, it teaches us something. It's this consistent, constant way to trust God with our finances, this principle of giving off the top, giving our first fruits. And above and beyond, as the Holy Spirit leads you, we also, it rubs out kind of this like irritable, almost like greed in us where we want to hang on to things. 
Guys, we share together. We share in a building. We can't meet like this under this beautiful roof in this wonderful room unless we share together in that. We can't feed our city unless we share together in that. And, and I learned to tithe. I was a brand new believer and I learned early on to tithe and I didn't have much. Giving out of the meager means, there's beauty in that. There's a lesson in that. And there's a real joy that comes from learning to give and tithe. Um, and our generosity is meant to overflow in the abundance because it comes from fully being seated in Christ. Right? We're seated in heavenly places so we can give knowing that we don't lack. We can tithe. We can care for one another. We can care for others. His extravagant, generous love, it will never, ever stop. There will always be enough. And it overflows to others. The more coming in, the more going out. We're not operating out of lack. We're not operating out of lack, guys. We're operating out of abundance. And there's more than enough. There's enough to go around and around and around and then some, and it won't stop. So let's just stand just allow the Holy Spirit right now to minister to our hearts. God, would you make us a generous church? I believe we are quite generous, but God, there's so much more we have to learn. Would you just come in right now and have your way in a new measure in our lives, in our hearts? Would you tear down any strongholds and lies in our lives that tell us that we are operating out of lack? That there's not enough. And I just, I feel like for anyone in this room, I include myself in that, if you felt there are areas that, that have held you back from giving, whether of finances or resources or time, I feel like God wants to heal that. He wants to take away the lie that there's not enough. And he wants to give us new access. He wants to give you new access to the generous, abundant kingdom of heaven. And so if you want to come forth, I feel like there's just a time even of repenting right now, of asking forgiveness of getting on our knees. And maybe some of us in this room have operated out of lack because we grew up poor. We grew up with not enough financially, not enough food. We were always struggling. And so we've, we've felt like oh, there's not going to be enough. What if there's not enough? There's almost this fear, but God wants to come in and take that fear and he wants to bring in the truth of his kingdom. But then there's, there's some of us in this room who grew up with enough. I, I grew up with plenty financially. Or we have a lot now, wealth. Or maybe are, are retired and we have extra time. And we got taken advantage of along the way. People saw us for what we had and, and, and it felt like we were being manipulated. And I feel like God wants to heal that wound as well. 
Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on. I just feel him saying, I want to just take that dagger out where you look at everyone with almost a suspicion without even meaning to, or you've put up a wall and I hear God saying, I want to take the wall down. It's time, beloved. Yeah, Jesus. There's um, there's almost like some of our lives, God, this dam that has been put up where the river just kind of stopped flowing or it's trickling and the generosity that we were meant to live out of is more like a trickle rather than a flowing, healthy river. So Holy Spirit, would you just come right now and remove those places of wounding and bringing your your healing? Would you remove the dam? And I just feel like it's a surrender of this holy surrender. Even if it's block by block, would you take the dam down right now? Would you take the wall down in our lives? We as a church body want to be generous with our time, with our finances, with our resources. We want to learn what it means to give out of faith, to give out of lack, because we live in a kingdom that does not lack. Come, Holy Spirit, deliver us. Deliver us from the lies. Deliver us from the things in our lives that have held us back. And teach us. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.